0: Oh, many thanks to our choir. Uh, And I heard several of you out there. I was visiting with Gene Dice uh, not too long ago in the hospital. And uh, he says, You know, I really miss being there on Sunday mornings when I can throw my amen in there. You remember those, don't you? Indeed. Well, he would have amen to that right there. Thank you so much. There's so much that we have to give thanks for. And I want to thank just a few people today. Uh, Agnes Baker was in charge of our generosity celebration this morning. She recruited Kim, Cochran also to help, and so many others who pitched in on that. Also, I want to thank Will Hobde and Frank Smith for their work and stewardship all through this year and what they brought to us in our Sunday school emphasis and in other ways, to help us grow in our generosity. Today we, uh, you know, we've got uh, three weeks here before uh, the end of the church calendar and I've got today and one more Luke sermon to preach. And uh, I've had so many folks comment how much they've enjoyed the Luke series. So I'd love to get your feedback on that. Let me know what you've thought about getting into this one book of the Bible so much and really, uh, really getting into it, finding out more about it. Uh, but today, we get into a very familiar story, one that if you're not careful, it's one of those if you're not careful, you're going to miss how you might apply it to your life today. You probably heard the f- story of Zacchaeus as a child, and you thought about, you know, how you were little and how he was little and how you might translate that into your life then. But this is today. And in order for us to really hear what God's trying to say to us through Zacchaeus today, we've got to give it our attention. So let me invite you to stand as you're able in honor of the reading as we receive the words of Christ and hear what he would say to us through the scripture today. He, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it, though, began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Be seated. There was a group of children that were lined up for lunch at a local church school cafeteria. And at the head of the table, there was a large pile of apples. And somebody had written a note and placed it beside the pile that said, Take only one. God is watching. Well, moving on through the line, down on the other end of the table, there was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. I can't imagine except that it must have been some young boy snuck his note, own note in there beside it where it said, Take all you want. God is busy watching the apples. <laughs> if that had been in Zacchaeus' day, that would have been his note, I think. He had been that kind of guy. Just take all you want. We find out in today's passage that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now being a tax collector doesn't mean that he was a bad man. But how a tax collector made his money in those days gave Zacchaeus every opportunity to live an unscrupulous life. And evidently Zacchaeus had taken full advantage. That's why he had such a bad reputation. You see, it was the job of the tax collector to collect from each family for the benefit of the Roman government. And so they had a set amount that they must uh, collect per person, per family. But then they made their salary by collecting anything that they could above that to pay themselves. You see what's happening here? Zacchaeus takes full advantage of that and becomes a wealthy man based on what he can extort or swindle or connive out of these people that he's collecting from. No wonder he had such a bad reputation. A New York man received from the Bureau of the Internal Revenue a second notice that his tax payment was overdue and carrying it with dire threats as to what's going to happen if he doesn't come right on down to the office and pay his taxes the way he should. So he goes running down there, and he pays it. He says, you know, I would have paid this before, but I don't remember receiving a first notice. And the clerk says, well, we ran out of first notices. And we realized that the second notices were much more effective anyway. No wonder that the tax man gets a bad reputation. But that's the kind of reputation that Zacchaeus had. And because of the way that he had operated, he had managed to become a wealthy man. While Zacchaeus might have been wealthy, it doesn't mean that he was very happy. Scripture tells us that Zacchaeus was short in stature. And I know that there are some of you in this room that just love it when we talk about this passage because you think, now, it does not apply just to short people, all right? Hang in there with me. But I would hazard to say that we get this story about Zacchaeus because not only was he short in stature, but he was living a small life. That's why it might have been difficult for him to make his way through the crowd He knew what he had done. He he knew who he had swindled. He knew what the crowd thought of him. It must have been quite a task for him, getting to see Jesus, kind of working his way through the crowd. You can imagine that he might have received an elbow or two from folks who weren't happy with him and his practices. And then as he gets out of the crowd, thinking of how he might get to see Jesus, he runs for that sycamore tree because he's heard Of this prophet, of this healer, of this one who teaches in amazing ways and thinks he just might have something for me. You know, happiness and fulfillment are seldom the result of small living. It might all look good on the outside. You might even have it all, but find that inside, life is shallow and empty. Zacchaeus was a wealthy sinner, but he was still a sinner, and he knew that he was missing something. He knew that he was living small. That's just about the time that Jesus shows up, and that's just about the time that Zacchaeus displays a determination, even a desperation to see Jesus. Into Zacchaeus's smallness of heart, Jesus reaches out and says, Get down here. I'm going to your house today. I'm going to show you the way to a bigger life. Zacchaeus experiences a change of heart because of this interaction with Jesus. And he begins to live a different way. He makes the commitment as he speaks with Jesus, telling him what his plans are from here on out. Now, it helps if you know a little bit about the Jewish rules of restitution when there's a crime or a robbery that takes place. If there's a a violent robbery involved, think think about the story of the Good Samaritan and how the man is robbed and beaten and left half dead lying there on the side of the road. In that sort of case, the, the Jewish rules would say that if these robbers are caught, that they would have to restore back to the victim four times as much than they took, restore, risk, giving restitution, paying back what they had taken. If what you took was unrestorable, then it was two times. For example... Uh, uh, John, you've come to my house and you've stolen my cart of hay that I'm using to feed my animals, and you go and you feed it to yours. Well, the hay is gone, right? You can't give me back, to uh, you can't give me back all that hay, but you can give me back twice the value. Sorry, John. Don't take it out on John. He's a good guy. He'd never take my hay. But then, if a person just voluntarily confesses and said, "I did this." This was wrong, and I want to pay it back. Then you would restore what the value had been with an additional 20%. So it pays, to be honest. But Zacchaeus, he knew the rules, but he was going to take it a step further. He says to Jesus, half of what I have, I'm going to give it to the poor because I've taken from them all my life. All the time I've served as a tax collector, I've taken it from him in flesh and bone almost. And for any fraud that I've been guilty of, I'll pay it back fourfold. He goes well beyond what's required of him in restoring to people what should be theirs. You see, Zacchaeus knew his smallness. He knew his stony heart. He knew the coldness inside. Zacchaeus also knew that he needed Jesus, and he needed this interaction. He needed that relationship, and Zacchaeus quickly found himself living a bigger life. So what's the word for us today? Well, the first thing that we need to remember is just like we need to remember any time we encounter Scripture. The first thing is, well, we even have a little story about this one, of course. But here's the first thing we need to remember, and it applies to every piece of Scripture we study. We'll never gain the benefits of Scripture until we're ready to profess that somehow it applies to us. Even this story that we know so well, even this story that we had the little song about. Do you remember? Did did you learn it as a child? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little hen was he. Yeah, see, you knew it. And even though we know it so well, if we're not careful, we'll miss it unless we profess over and over and over again that whenever we encounter Scripture, whenever Zacchaeus comes along, somehow... It applies to us. And here's how I think it applies to us today. Most of us, if not all of us, have ways in which we come up short, right? I may not be below average height, but maybe I know I take my anger out on others, <laughs> Maybe I know I'd rather lie or blame others than take responsibility when things go wrong. Maybe I know that I'm selfish at heart. Maybe I realize that I'm spending my words on gossip and negativity. You know, small living. Or perhaps even my small living is lived out in more insidious type ways. I act like I'm perfect when I'm really insecure. Maybe my piety covers my constant struggle with temptation. Maybe my syrupy sweetness covers an underlying venom at work in my life. Maybe my tough guy exterior covers a life of fear. Maybe my extravagant lifestyle covers a poverty of spirit. Maybe my supermom image even covers an abuser. Small living. And nobody knows it better than us. But even though we are little in ways, even though we are short in stature in ways, even though we have our own shortcomings, we don't have to live small lives. You can be short, but you don't have to live little Think about you know I love every time I think of Spud Webb and Mugsy Bose playing in the NBA. It's an inspiration to me. It's wonderful. But I think about Fred Craddock, little short guy, talked in this little high voice. He revolutionized preaching in the last generation as a professor in the local seminaries. I think about Vicky White who sat up here with me as the bishop was preaching not too long ago. And, I, and I've known Vicky for years, you know, and she's just about this tall. But as she sat there, I looked at her and her feet are just swinging. <laughs> and I looked <laughs> and she says, yep, my feet don't touch the floor here either. But she's our district superintendent and she's leading in the East Jackson District in a wonderful, wonderful way. She's an inspiration to me. And I'll bet you know some inspirational people who live big lives despite the fact that they have shortcomings. Do you remember Tony Melendez? Tony Melendez was born in Nicaragua. That was not his shortcoming. Tony was born in Nicaragua without any arms. And he lived big as a Christian concert artist playing the guitar with his feet. Living a big life. A big life. Jesus comes to town and he calls us to bigger life. Some folks will try to make you think that you can't live bigger. That you can't be bigger that you can't give bigger, that you can't offer more to the world. But don't believe them because Jesus comes to town and he makes it different. It's amazing to me how quickly when Jesus shows up, people's lives change. The woman who reached out to touch the hem of his garment immediately was changed, healed, Others who implore Jesus to heal or to touch or to cleanse or say a word. The Syrophoenician woman, ten lepers, one of which who came back to say thanks. Blind men, the crippled by the pool of Siloam, inspired by the depth of their hurt and their sin they've experienced. And by the depth of grace for which they yearn, people reach out for Jesus. People seek Jesus out. And that's Zacchaeus, the tree climber, the one who tried to work his way through the crowd but couldn't, but ran for the sycamore tree so that he could see what Jesus would have to do with him that day. It changes his heart, but that's not all it changes. Repentance is not just a transaction of the heart. It shows up in how you live. And it showed up in Zacchaeus' life. It's interesting to me in this particular story on this particular day that Zacchaeus expresses bigger life through a newfound experience of generosity. And I'm so thankful to be part of a church that's dreaming a big dream of bigger life. And as we live it out day to day, it becomes an inspiration to others. That stewardship card in your pocket, or that sits beside you on the pew, that you filled out as you've come today, that's your part of making the bigger life dream come true in and through St. Matthew's. And if you look around you at the faces of the people, you'll see these are people who want to live the bigger life also. So, how you live your life is important. Bigger life and smaller living are infectious. So how will you live your life? For Zacchaeus, it was a big change. But here's another life lesson. When you get an important story about a big change, if you've already been there, if the change is already at work in your life, don't sit there smugly and think that it doesn't apply to you anymore. You may not be Zacchaeus, but your face is probably somewhere in the crowd and somebody else is watching your life, and you have to choose. Big life or small life, it's up to you. Despite the hostile crowd around him, Zacchaeus found his way to Jesus, and it changed his life. What kind of life? do you want today? Three challenges. The first one is pray for a bigger life. Secondly, and this is for those of you who like a checklist, make a list of five things that you can do to express larger living, sort of like Zacchaeus began to express in his own life. And third... Pray that you may faithfully live out the commitments of time and talent and treasure that you make today.